You're listening to the Champ Off-Road Podcast, presented by Amswell. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Champ Off-Road Podcast, presented by Amsoil. I'm Shane Stetsny, as always, joined by Brent Smith. And this time, episode four of 2022, we have our good friend, our co-worker, Nolan Castellian. How you doing, Nolan? Good, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to have you on, buddy. It was a long weekend. Long, long weekend at Anigo. Yeah, long, but a whole lot of fun. So what are your impressions of the other weekend? What are you going to take away from it? Uh, what are the... What's the moments that really uh, stuck with you? I was surprised at how many last lap passes for podium spots there were in literally all the classes from 570s with Braun and the and the Dressel kids and all the way to Ben Holcher with a huge bonsai move in the super stocks on Saturday. Every class was just a battle right to the end. It was awesome. That uh, 170 finish between Dreyer and Wyatt Olsen. The lead changed twice in the last, like, what, 50 yards of the race, and I think it came down to, like, one twentieth of a second gap. Yeah, right down to the wire. Every single class, it seemed like, had something like that. Awesome weekend. What about the pros? What do you see? How do you see the Pro 4 rivalry playing out? It started just like it did last year with C.J. Greaves taking two wins and then Kyle LaDuke better than last year when he took two-fourths but uh, still had to settle for a third and a second. So how do you see that playing out? I guess I kind of see it going again like last year. Kyle showed so much speed at Antigo this weekend. I think he carries that into Crandon. His driving style and that truck works so well at Crandon when everything's clicking. I think it'll be hard for for him to catch him, but if anyone can, it'll be CJ, so we'll we'll see. Yeah, I totally totally agree with you. I mean, CJ looked really, really fast, but it seemed like when LeDuc went in on round two, he went into the pits and come back out and change that tire. It was just like a rocket ship. I mean, for anyone to go in there and get your lap back, it was hard to call. I mean, you can say if I'm wrong, Shane, but that was weird to call when LeDuc's a lap down. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of bizarre, but like you said, it was uh, a heroic effort that he even got, you know, he passed CJ Greaves straight up, you know, under green flag conditions to get the lap back. And then our, our foreshadowing the entire time, hoping we'd get the caution that would uh, set up the, the green-white checker, and we finally got it, but ultimately he had to settle for second. Still a tremendous drive, and I totally agree with Nolan as well. Uh, when Kyle Duke is fully on and can dodge those problems, he's every bit as fast as CJ. Yeah, absolutely. I think he just needs to settle down, Kyle. I mean, he's got the truck underneath him. He has what it takes. Trad has worked his butt off just to get that new package back together. They did a lot of shock work, but just talking to you, Nolan, I know he can be unstoppable at Cranon, but you can't count out CJ Greaves or John Greaves. We've seen the speed he had in Fall Cranon last year. He was a rocket ship. Yeah, absolutely. That was a flashback to when I was a kid watching Johnny be that fast at Cranon. But back to what you said about Kyle having to settle down, I think that's going to be the key because he was that fast, faster than CJ this weekend, but it was those mistakes. I think he was I think he was trying maybe a little bit too hard to get a big lead on CJ, and that led to the mistakes, the spins, the rollovers, the blown tires, everything we saw. It had to be in his mind a little bit, too, that his poor weekend in Antigo back in 2021 set him up for a hill that he couldn't ultimately climb trying to make up the points gap, too. Yeah, I agree with that, too. I think he just, we all know Kyle Duke can be as dominant as anybody, and if he settles down and just gets into a rhythm, he's going to be hard to stop this season. Well, speaking of hard to stop, this looks like it might be another year of Brock Hager dominance in two classes, just like last year. 
Um, he swept in pro stock, swept in pro light. Is he going to be just unstoppable again, or do you think some of the, the new blood in pro light might have something to say about it? And for right now, I don't see anyone catching him in pro light. I think maybe if if CJ Grease can get those Polaris cars figured out a little bit as the season goes on, maybe see a challenge in, in pro stock, but pro light, I don't see anyone right now that stands out that could really dethrone Hager on a regular basis. Yeah, that's that's I totally agree with you again. I mean, we watch all the same racing, but at the same time, Brock Hager he's strong he's a great competitor and i always bug like people like why doesn't he move up like who hates winning you know that's kind of like scott taylor back in the day like did he quit because he just won everything but that i remember my brother and i would get so sick and tired of watching scott taylor because he won everything but like if you're winning you might as well stay where you're at and i don't think nobody will touch hager except for in pro light i really do think connor barry has speed he's just gotta get used to the midwest I think Connor Barry absolutely is is a guy that could threaten Brock Hager. Uh, but I also was super, super impressed by Trey Gibbs. We've seen him uh, come and play part of the season in the past in uh, Super Buggy. But uh, for him to show up in Pro Light and work through traffic like he did, I think he's going to be a thorn in Hager's side all season. We can't right. forget Kyle Grease either, a guy who's been fast in the Midwest here the last couple of years. Had a tire issue on in round one at Antigo and then said on the podium afterwards he was maybe losing the cylinder the whole time on in round two. So maybe we haven't seen Kyle Greaves' best quite yet this season. Right. He was leading. I mean, he was leading coming through the whoops in a couple different spots. I mean, the guys are all fast. I mean, you can't count out John Holger when he got in the groove last year. He looked like a rocket ship at Antigo and like, I don't know. There's so many good, good trucks. Then you're going to throw Zach Shimmick in the mix coming back for Crandon. And he just had some other things committed to, so he couldn't be at Antigo. But I don't know. It's hard to pick who is who. But Brock Hager is really showing the way around right now. Absolutely. I completely agree with you, Brent. Uh, there is one youth class I want to single out, too. So the uh, mod cart race, both days, uh, really good racing. Porter and Glazy swept the weekend. Of course, the top three in points from last year all uh, moved on, and Mike Funk is out with an injury, unfortunately. Do you see that class being that super tight, super competitive all year, too? I do, personally. I think all those kids are really fast. The cars all seem really equally matched. I think any one of them could sneak up there and, and grab a bunch of wins. The Johnsons look fast. Hunter Van Zyl got a podium at Antigo. I think that could be a wide-open class. Yeah, Rohanowitz was on the podium, too. We didn't see a whole lot of that out of him last year. Yeah, he, he seems to be more aggressive, though, Shane. I mean, we talked to each other about it up in the booth, but he just, I mean, we talked about him a lot. So, I mean, that's cool. I mean, maybe he's just getting that much better as the years progress, but Porter and Glazy, that's, it's tough. It's going to be interesting to see where that goes. And I agree with you, too, with the Johnson brothers. I mean, yeah, everyone gives me a hard time because they're my local buddies, but hey, they're proving that they can be there. And with them, I think if Andy settles down a little bit, I think he can be really fast. <laughs> the the Johnson, brothers, the Johnson brothers' biggest problem, I think, is getting caught racing each other too much. Uh, we did see that. <laughs> yep, yep. We did see that in round one a little bit where, or actually it was round two Sunday, where they were just leaning on each other the whole time when they could have been uh, probably moving forward a little bit through the rest of the field. <laughs> brotherly love yeah brent knows all about that yeah we knew it cost a lot so i don't know why casey's not telling him <laughs> <laughs> hey so uh switching gears a little bit nolan uh, so last year 
round one just over a year ago. That was your first time behind a microphone. How did you uh, land that job where you just kind of uh, volunteered for it? Oh, let me think back here. I got volunteered kind of for a few jobs after I started. I came on board with Champ Off-Road in 2020, their first season, doing operation stuff, putting up flags and banners and all that stuff you see around the track. And then I think it was Lena that season. They were shorthanded in scoring and timing. So I ended up helping out in scoring and timing and continued doing that. And then Carl, of course, works right in there with is always with the scoring and timing folks. And he, I think, kind of realized the knowledge that I had of this sport and called me up a couple of weeks before Annie go last season and asked if I want to do the sportsman podium interview. I said, well, we can give it a shot and see how it goes. That's so awesome, dude. You do a phenomenal job. And Shane and I always, on our breaks, when you take it away from us, we're like, man, he is so comfortable. Like, you don't get nervous. You don't, you don't show any nerves and you come up with stuff off the back of your head all the time. And I know, you know what you're asking, but it's so cool to see. I mean, I've got to be around it now for a while and man, you know, your things and you know, your stuff and you love the sport just like we do. And that makes it so much fun. Yeah. It's a, and a lot of that comfort comes from you guys. You guys made me feel comfortable right away. I know all three of us have loved this sport our whole life. So it was, just a natural fit, I guess. And I felt comfortable working with you guys and everything's been great. Well, it helps that you, uh, now it's, it's kind of public. You have this reputation as being the encyclopedia of short course knowledge. Right. Right. <laughs> How did that He's happen? Laughing. <laughs> well, it's true though. I mean, did you, It is. is that just a product of being a Crandon kid and, and being a racetrack kid? You just grew up around it. Like I did and just absorbed everything along the way. Well, that's a lot of it. And then I, I'm just such a super fan of the sport. I'd start studying old stuff and I, I guess I thought sometime it'd maybe pay off and I guess we found when it would pay off. So it's good to have all that knowledge now. Do you have any aspirations of taking broadcasting further or is it just kind of a, a fun uh, side hustle for now? Maybe. I mean, I guess we'll play it by ear and see what happens, but just being so new to it and only in my second year, I guess it's kind of just a, a fun little thing to do on the weekends now and I'd love to take it farther maybe someday and I guess just see where it goes. Well, for what it's worth, how how this all got started for me is uh, kind of like you. I sort of got volunteered, except uh, it was before a cup race one Labor Day at Crandon and Jay Schaefer was announcing at the time. And uh, whole shot. basically, yeah, the whole shot king. And uh, basically, two minutes before the green flag, he just turned around and handed me the microphone and he said, here, you're doing this one. And I, you know, didn't even have enough time to panic. So I guess the, uh, the rest is history as they say. <laughs> That's so you got awesome. thrown to the wolves in a, in a high stake situation there right before the biggest race of the year. The upside to that is there was no live stream and the trucks were way louder than the sound system anyway. So I wasn't really talking to anybody. It was just <laughs> yelling into the void. That's what I was going to say. It feels the same way sometimes now. <laughs> that helped my nerves at that very first race last year. Is the sound system was off in the grandstands for the first sportsman podium race. So I knew I kind of got everyone on the live stream could hear me, but I felt like I kind of got a dry run to practice on before we, before anyone could really hear me. Yeah. Well, you're doing a heck of a job and it's only going to get a lot better from here on out. And the podium, I, I honestly, I never did feel comfortable doing a podium. I know Shane and I have talked about it, but, we leave it up to you, brother, because I'll tell you, like, we get nervous, but we like our home. We like what we're doing, but it's cool to have a guy like you that can step up the game and make it more fun. You know the fun we have 
it's just going to be that much better throughout the year. Like when we can go to work and not call it work, that's what makes the world about it. Absolutely. I agree. Hey, so going back a little bit to, um, like I said, you're a, a racetrack kid, just like Brent is and myself. What are some of your early memories of, uh, you know, being that little kid with your hands through the chain link fence at Crandon? Do you have like a, a memory that stands out? I guess some, not any real particular ones, just some real early ones. Mark Steinhardt and my dad have worked for the same company for as long as I've been alive. So I've known Steiny my entire life. And I just always remember hanging on the fence right by where they walk up to the podium, watch, just hanging on the fence, watching single buggy races and, and waiting to give him a high five and a hug when he got off the track on the way to the podium. That was always something I enjoyed doing. So like, I remember like, being a kid but when you say you're a kid i'm sitting here 37 years old and when you were a kid it's crazy to think like your perspective i remember steinhardt back in the day when he raced against the vandermissens back when steve federico i remember when his shot fire happened and then steiny was all about those cars and it was crazy like i know brad erickson was about that time in my era but now to see what you've seen and see these guys still racing, it's so stupid to see Steiny and now he won. It's like he won at this late in his career. He's still at top of his game. Hey, wait a minute. I think he would take offense. He would take offense to you saying it's late in his career. He's still out there winning <laughs> super buggy races. Yeah. I know. Well, he could be mad at me. <laughs> no, he's an amazing driver. Now we need Scott Schwabby to come back again. I think Schwabby might race the Cranon races. He did last year. Right, I know it. That'd be great. In fact, I know he is because uh, I talked to Ryan Schwabby just today, this afternoon. So awesome, awesome. So Ryan those... was fast on Sunday. Yeah, he looked really good for for um, being closer to a privateer than some of the other guys. He seems to break out a little bit at the the tighter tracks, though. Yeah, he does. I, he was. I think he only finished a couple seconds back of the, of the lead on Sunday in fourth, but only a couple seconds back. So that was really cool to see. Hey guys, real quick, I just want to remind all of our fantastic listeners to visit Amsoil.com for products that protect and maximize performance in all their vehicles and motorized toys. They can use the convenient Amsoil product guides to find exactly what they need, and they can get fast free shipping right to their door. Amsoil, run with us. We very much appreciate Amsoil supporting this podcast. Hey Nolan, other other than Steinhardt in your career, who is like your all-time favorite driver that you watch still to this day if you had to pick one any class who do you look up to every weekend to make sure you keep an eye on johnny grease far and away my entire childhood was my favorite driver and it's super cool i still get to watch him watch him race i, I don't think we'd ever thought probably that he'd still be doing it in 2022 but he is and it's cool to still be watching him yeah not only still doing it but uh, like we said last fall laid a beat down on the field at Crandon a couple times. So, uh, still yeah, can like tap it was into 2005 the, again. Yeah, still can tap into that mojo. So this will perfectly explain to the people listening who have followed the sport for a while the difference in eras between you and then myself and Brent. My guy is Jack Flannery. That's an easy pick. It's a homer pick, being that he was from Crandon. But I wish I would have known when I was you know 10 years old watching peak Jack Flannery exactly how important – he was at the you know to the to the sport itself it's great to look back on now but i wish i could appreciate that all over again i always wish i was a few years older and could have seen that that era because jack had already been done racing by the time i was even born so mm -hmm. i always wish i could go back and watch 
a, a prime Rob McCaffrey and in pro four from 98 to 2001 or whatever era that was. And Jack Flannery and those guys, I, I really wish I could have seen that in person. Those were good times. You had uh, like Jason Baldwin, you had Carl Renazetter was there. Like you said, Rob Mack, uh, the tail ended Jack and Jamie being involved in uh, racing pro four. That was kind of the last, what I consider to be like the last golden age. But I think we're like right on the edge of the next golden age. Yeah, I think it's coming back around. It sure seems that way. I really, I really think that it's crazy to hear you say that you had never got to watch McCachron in his prime. And those were the best days. I remember 99 at Bark River, 1999, sitting and watching those guys finally getting air off that hill, like in a cool way. Like I remember Chenny his first year in with Adrian's staffing truck. And then you had Jack Flannery, Jamie Flannery, McCachron, and Ortholon and Garden Ford. I mean, it was crazy. Like, I really wish for you, you could have seen that. I mean, I have some old off-road tapes and watching, but just to be in person and now to see where the sport has developed and gone is crazy. I remember wanting Jack Flannery before I even met the LaDukes. LaDuke all time. Everybody always gives me a hard time. Kyle, oh, your favorite him. No, we've been best friends and good friends since we were 13, 14 years old. And I just respected him as a driver, a builder, and all the above. But Jack Flannery, the reason why I went number 45 in the sixth grade is because Jack Flannery had that number. And everybody thought it was like the Michael Jordan era and that. I'm like, no, like off-roads was the world to my brother and I. So it's pretty cool to hear where you came from in that aspect. I just want to point out real quick, and I think this is funny, that your announcer brain took over and you did a sponsor drop on uh, Rob McCachron's truck. (laughs) That's all I remember, dude. Ortho Lawn and Garden 4, bro. Yeah, I think it's, I, I know I've pointed this out on uh, a couple broadcasts before too, a couple live streams, but it's um, really great that our four-person announcing team, the three of us along with Haley, Haley originally from Elk River, Minnesota, obviously the home of ERX, Nolan and I from Crandon and Brent from Bark River. So we all kind of have, uh, our roots are in the racetrack, so to speak. Yeah, Barry, yeah we've all got a, a home, home track on the schedule. Hey, that means anybody listening out there from uh, Anigo or Lena, if you if you got some talent, we'd uh, love to take you aboard. Yes. <laughs> hey, so I've got uh, just a couple rapid fire, uh, just for fun questions here <laughs> that uh, we we can all we can all answer and uh, try to argue and disagree a little bit. Um, first one: What was the the biggest surprise to you in Anigo? You can go ahead, Nolan, if you want. <laughs> I think the just awful weekend for Keegan Kincaid to come out of their 12th in points right like he is right now with two bad finishes that shocked me after sweeping last year did not see that coming dude I totally I agree with you on that honestly but mine is probably Ricky G I mean everyone gives him a hard time and they're a great group of guys but give him a hard time he's just a young kid but he's got great talent and he's got a good crew behind him to make it happen. And I didn't really think with all that talent pro too, that he would just run up to Brooks and give him a run and then take over the lead. I mean, he was making dive bomb passes, come back in the infield and he showed that he's going to be there all year. I mean, yeah, granted, we got a lot of talent with Kyle Kleiman finishing two thirds, but Ricky G was probably my like, Oh man, that kid really put a exclamation point on Anigo. I agree. Yeah, that's a that's a good answer. He is, uh, I mean, he had the his first Pro Two win came last year, and it was 
you know, it's obviously a huge accomplishment, but he didn't crack into the top five in points by season's end. But I, I think he's going to be one to watch out for in the points chase, like especially like uh, Nolan said with the trouble that Keegan Kincaid had. M- my answer is uh, I'm going down to stock truck. Brian Piott. So coming into this year, Brian Piott obviously being a rookie is a complete unknown, but we know who else is fast in that class with, uh, you know, Diesel Shannick, Corey Holcher, TJ Ewart kind of being the the triumvirate there. But for Piott to have the weekend he did, uh, I think he put the rest of the class on notice that uh, he's not a pushover and he's going to be in the points chase too. I expect that points chase to come down right to the final round. Very much like Belanger did at Antigo on that exact truck last year. Same thing. Yeah, and I mean, he's, I think he, Piat's going to be one to wreck it with all year. We can see it. I mean, on a short track, hey, we always said the drivers come out because it's technical, short, and it's like a bull ring. And look at Belanger. Shane and I just look at each other. We know he's got a good truck, but man, he's putting his heart and soul into this off road program. And coming from the dirt track, he really showed he knows how to wheel. All right. So uh, I got another question here. Give me a guaranteed lock to win a race in Crandon, any class. Brent, you get this one first. <laughs> oh, wow, okay. Guaranteed lock. Keegan Kincaid, Pro 2. Oh, that's a good one. It's I am to going to say, I know it, I know it. Uh, you, I could probably cheat and go with Hager in either one, but I'll go out on a limb a little bit and say Steinhardt wins another super buggy race at Crandon. What about you, Shane? I'm going to super buggy as well. I'm going to pick Hester. I think that that points chase is going to be super tight. I think the wins are going to be more evenly distributed than they were last year with uh, Meister taking eight wins. So I'm going to take Mike Hester. He's historically had some really bad luck at Crandon, but also had his 100th career win at Crandon and sealed his points championship there. So I think the monkey's off his back. He's my pick. I agree that the wins are going to be really spread out in that class too. Super buggy. That's so crazy. I love the car count. As a kid, it was like it fluctuated so much. It went from 15, 16 cars. Then in the late 2000s, middle 2000s era, Shane can back me up on this one. We had like seven, eight, nine cars, and now we have a healthy field, and there's a lot of good cars. I agree. I think there are I think there are at least five cars that will win a race in that class this year. I like it. I think that's a good prediction. Who's your uh, – so which one is the surprise winner? Because – I think I know four of them. I would say, I, I don't know if Billy Booth or Dale Everts either one is really a surprise, but I think they'll both win a race. Dale was really fast, Danny Go, and Billy Booth is so fast in any buggy. Once he gets yeah. that super buggy figured out, he'll be up front. Dale was fast at Crandon, and Billy Booth is Billy Booth, and he knows how to win. Yeah. Oh, surprise, Shane. Oh, trying to go down my order. Let's see. I would... Belanger, I want to say in super stock truck, it's going on a limb. I know Joey Machosik's tough. Got to give him some crap because he made a little mistake, gave away that win on Sunday. But other than that, I mean, that class is so competitive. But I think Belanger, look at what Visser did last year. I mean, Crandon, that truck gets out in some clean air and fresh air. He pulls whole shot. You better lasso him and try to hold on. I'm not trying to pick my favors, but that truck's fast. I think a land rush start suits Belanger's driving style too. He's uh, no shortage of aggression. And I think, you know, if he can make it into turn one, like second or pull the whole shot, it might be curtains for the rest of the class right there. Yeah. Sayonara. See you later. So now uh, kind of the other side of the coin, 
so Anigo, there was obviously a ton of carnage. Um, they calmed it down a little bit on Sunday, just like I thought they would. You know, obviously round one jitters and uh, all of that. But there was some drama in a few different classes. Which class is going to have the most of that drama spill forward into the Crandon rounds? I don't think we're going to get our pro light field calmed down anytime soon. I think our pro lights are going to be just chaos as well at Crandon, just like they always seem to be here the last couple of years. I, I totally agree with you on that one. But also, I think as a whole, I mean, the Pro 2s, at one given time during the race, it seems like they're in good pace. They run good, and then we'll get a couple guys that will turn a couple guys around, and it seems like it's not like a big, interesting call. But I've been told by a couple different Pro 2 drivers, it's like either make the call or don't make the call. And I think that they honestly need to just go at it and duke it out and not try to like lean on one another too much. It's off-road racing, but we want to see the best drivers come out on top and that pro light, it gets devastating too. Like, it's like, Oh man, look at those three trucks are done for the day. Yeah. I mean, we talked to, or I talked to one pro two driver in Anigo who said he was actually kind of the target of some, some other upset drivers that were uh, not happy with things that they claimed that he did on the racetrack. Obviously I'm not here to be uh, (laughs) judge and jury at all. Uh, But certainly, certainly there's some uh, tensions in pro two. I'm going to take the easy pick that you guys left on the table and say super stock truck. There was, (laughs) there was a lot of uh, contact and aggressive driving right up to the line that we saw. And then, talking to some of the drivers since that weekend there was some other stuff that you know wasn't on the live stream that happened on the racetrack i know tensions are going to be super high coming into crandon there as well Uh, for my money super stock truck has the biggest egos and that's uh, no offense to anybody in the class because i'm friends with most of those guys (laughs) but some of the biggest personalities uh, i think that drama spills over i don't want to see it devolve like it did last year where it came to a head at Bark River, but uh, there's scores to be settled in Superstock. I think we'll see that in Crandon in a couple of weeks here. I, I agree That's a good with call you. Too. Sorry, Nolan. I yeah, I totally agree with you, Shade. Because no matter what we talk about in Superstock Truck, we could say, okay, who's gonna win? Okay, who can outlast one another is the main thing. Who can get their truck to the finish line first if they have a truck? Yeah, I guess we'll see how that all plays out here in a couple of weeks for rounds three and four. But uh, now I have just a couple. These are uh, much softer questions that aren't going to offend anybody. Uh, we saw on Facebook, Jimmy Johnson, the seven-time NASCAR champ, uh, made a post that he was visiting Crandon International Raceway while he's actually in Wisconsin this uh, this weekend for um, another race down in the central part of the state. And that got me thinking, what racing legend, uh, doesn't matter what discipline, active, retired, um, dead or live, doesn't matter. Pick a racing legend that you'd want to see drive a Pro 2 or a Pro 4 at Crandon. Brent, you want to take it? Ooh, there's a lot of them out there. <laughs> I don't know. I just want our sport to grow as a whole. I would love these NASCAR drivers. Like we talked when we talked with Ryan Beat Shane a couple weeks back, we talked about how a lot of the NASCAR guys are interested. They're coming to the shop. They're checking it out. I mean, I think to make our sport go to the next level, yeah, we have to glorify our drivers. We have to be about our sportsmen and our pros. But to take it to a bigger, bigger step, I think we could bring in these NASCAR drivers. But as one driver, 
I would love to see Jimmy Johnson come back. Does he have the time? Does he have the right people behind him? Yeah, he can make it happen, but I think why else he be in Cranon? He just it's Cranon. You got to show up once in a while. <laughs> I had a few names come to mind, but a couple of them have already done it. I'd love to see Robbie Gordon come back again. Kyle Busch ran it from two once. I'd love to see that again. But Tony Stewart's never raced an off-road truck, and Tony Stewart has won in pretty much every other kind of racing vehicle on the planet. So I think it'd be fun to throw Tony Stewart in there and see what happens. Nice, nice. What about you, Shane? Yeah, that's a good answer. I'm going to stay in NASCAR, and this this feels like a... a a low-hanging fruit but i mean give me a, a time machine and let's see the intimidator another seven-time nascar champ dale earnhardt i just want to see him in a pro four just to see how he'd handle you know let's say it's coming out of a competition yellow and he's stuck in third behind like cj and kyle duke i would just love to see how he handled that <laughs> knowing that you find uh, out who built the strongest bumpers Right, knowing that bumping is uh, maybe not encouraged, but uh, certainly allowed. I would just love to see how that got handled. That is a good answer, though. Like, yeah, I've been thinking about it all afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the Pro 4 guys would say about it, but... <laughs> yeah, they'd be too busy fabbing up new rear bumpers to worry about it. Yeah, I don't know who builds the strongest front bumpers in short course, but they'd have to build the Earnhardt one, that's for sure. We could also get Dale Jr. He'd come and check out the sport. Yeah, well, that would be cool. Hey, from one podcaster to another, because we all listen to each other's podcasts, so I know Dale's listening. You're invited for sure. Hey, we could make it happen. Yeah, maybe like that's like two a chain of two or three phone calls, right? Should be easy. Hey, why not? I think we. Yeah. All right. One last question, Nolan. This one might lead to a fight between us. Oh boy. What What's the single best food item you can buy from the Crandon concession stand? Brent, you're welcome to answer too, even though you're a Bark River guy. Oh, I love their food, though, too. I sure went through a lot of cheeseburgers and Mellow Yellows at that Cranon Barn as a kid. <laughs> Mellow Yellow. Cheeseburgers. <laughs> I'd, have to, I'd have to say, I don't know. I was tight growing up, so I'd just do the cheese. I'd do the cheeseburger or hamburger or just like a brat. But I would say the chicken wings. I, I'm not just saying because a lot of people say it. I think the chicken wings but the cheese curds. It's hard. I don't know. They feed us. Like we're in a trough up there, so I think everything's good. <laughs> There's no Ch wrong answer. Yeah. Chicken wings, chicken wings are the right answer, but uh, <laughs> don't sleep on the hand-cut French fries. It's the only major sporting event I've ever been to that cuts their French fries on site. You can't beat that. Okay, follow-up question though: <laughs> plain fries or cheese fries? Cheese fries. We're from Wisconsin. Cheese okay. fries. All right. <laughs> I was going to say, there is a right answer to that one. Yeah, no doubt. What food item you think we could bring in that we don't have? Now you're talking about smuggling. <laughs> yep, now we're going, like, going nope, off the rails. Nope. That's, another, <laughs> that's another license. <laughs> the, uh, the famed Crandon security is not going to have that. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, don't, let's not even try it. <laughs> it's your name, Mr. Smith. Yes, it is. Well, Nolan, we uh, really appreciate you coming on the show. Like Brent said, you're doing a uh, tremendous job giving us the uh, trackside reporting, podium reporting, and uh, we appreciate your time. Thanks for spending some time with us on the Champ Off-Road Podcast. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. I had, had a blast as always with you two. <laughs> uh, we like to have fun. You know that. <laughs> oh, I sure do. Well, thanks. Hey, Nolan. Yeah, thank you, guys. Yep, see you in a couple weeks, my man. Absolutely. I'm already here waiting for you. Get the booth warm for us. <laughs> Will do.
And that'll be it for this episode of the Champ Off-Road Podcast presented by Amsoil. We thank each and every one of you for listening and for following along with the Amsoil Championship off-road season. For Brent Smith and Nolan Castellian, I'm Shane Stetsny, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Champ Off-Road Podcast presented by Amsoil.